You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist Darren Nichols. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Earlier this week, news surfaced that the police officer that held an African-American man for 20 minutes resigned from the Royal Oak Police Department. The cop responded after the man was alleged to have looked at, at a white woman outside a, res- outside a restaurant. Shades of Emmett Teal. Joining us today is one of the men who helped broker the deal. Welcome to the show, Chris White of the Coalition Against Police Brutality. Thanks for having me. And it's an honor to be here with you and all the work that you've done over the decades that we've known each other. And that's what I was getting ready to to talk about. Uh, me and Chris, we go way back. Um, I want to say that we go back to the Bell Isle Zoo proposal more than 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. We go back to that as well as the Bell Isle fee proposal. The, f- the Bell Isle right? fee proposal. It was both that's of that's it what was it was. Fee both of those at the, the same zoo. time. Yes. Yeah. So we go we go all the way back. So that was like what 88 98 99 yes, something 90, like that. Yeah. So 99. we go we go that far back, yeah. right? Yeah. So tell folks about yourself and all of the proposals that you've done because not only were you on the front lines of the FIFA Belle Isle and the the uh the Belle Isle Zoo, but you were one of the first people to tell me about Kwame Kilpatrick and um the shady dealings that we could come to expect this, uh with him as the mayor. Yeah. And so you've been in this game a long time. Oh, yeah. So so tell folks what you've been doing and and what, you know, give give me a resume of all the stuff you've been involved in. Well, it started with uh my dad and uh mother. They uh really pushed activism and I saw it um, in the home. And the beautiful thing about it was it was done without uh, wanting to get recognition. It was done because it was a way of life and it was what you had to do. And we often talk about uh, the great Coleman Young, but one of the things that I'm thankful for was that we grew up in a community that had several Coleman Youngs. There was one on every block. And that led me to go on a natural progression of activism, uh, starting off with uh, just uh, typical campaigning, which uh, I started doing in 1984, different uh, campaigns as a, as a child. And I would say that I had a full understanding of campaigning within the, in, in the 1980s. I was taken under the wing of members of the Young Administration but even in addition to that, it was really dad, mom, and my sister that pushed me. And then that just led me on a journey to find that knowledge with the objective of uh, making the world a better place, which means that you have to deal and hook up and work and improve the conditions of those who need it the most, which typically is African-American. So right. I um, you know, was involved in several campaigns. 
and started doing um, my own organizing. Uh, we saved Wayne County Community College in 1992. It had lost the primary election millage by uh, over 70,000 votes. And in November general election of 1992, that millage passed by one vote per precinct, putting Wayne County Community College on stable grounds. And as you see, the great work that goes on there today, right. I'm proud of that. And that was at 20, 20 years old. So I always understood that organizing is you, what you do today is going to affect people for maybe 30 or 40 years. We started the Institute for Public Policy and Educational Affairs, and that's where we met. That was a, a think tank. And myself and Mr. Reed, Mr. Colley, Mr. Taylor, we felt that it was, you know, not nothing against marching because all forms of activism is needed. But we felt that it had to be based upon some type of uh, thought and some type of program. So we go from protest to program. So we started Think Tank to develop and craft policy. And we worked very well with the city council of that time. Yes. We worked very well. We worked very well with you and other members of the media at that time. It was always a time where there was dialogue. And if there was differences, it was differences with suggestions based upon a solution. And that, that's, that's what made those, those days great. Um, step code G, stopping merit pay, um, working to make sure there's African centered education in the schools, um, dealing with, uh, the connection between that and higher education and most important, making Coleman Young's birthday a commemorative holiday in the city of Detroit. And you remember that yeah, absolutely. very well. And that was back in uh, 2001. Right. And when you talk about uh, former Mayor Kilpatrick, we had a meeting, and I have to say it was on July 17, 2001, with then Detroit Renaissance uh, Chairman Paul Hilligans. And he informed us that Kilpatrick was their guy and that he was going to do what they wanted him to do and how they wanted it done. And that was tough for us because he was our peer. And it was hard for us because we were of the same group. Some of the things that they, that Paul Hillegon said was that, you know, they had studied the way that our group and others had handled the Archer administration. And they felt at that time that, uh, council president Hill would, uh, be too beholden to the Greeks. This is exactly what yeah, he said. Absolutely. We don't want the Greeks running the city. This is right. exactly what he said. Yeah. And uh, they said that uh, Reverend Hood was a nice guy. We all know nice guys finish last. This is what the, this is what we said. They said our guys kill Patrick. He knows how to dwell amongst you all. He goes to that black church down there, and I corrected him quickly. I said that's the Pan African Orthodox Christian Church. They said well he goes he comes out of that church. He knows how to talk the lingo, dwell amongst you, but he's going to do what we want. This is what he told us. He's going to do what we want. And when we want it done, and he proceeded to give us a list of things. This is Paul Hillegons that they wanted done, and and lo and behold, he was doing it. So we became uh, one of the only groups, if not at one point in time, the only group that was on the other side, and that was rough because these were friends of ours. You know, uh, Kilpatrick Miller and BDM, they were like friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was hard, you know. And, and you look back on it. Now, because it's 2019, and that was when they took off in 2002, and you were in the midst of fighting them because you knew that you were really fighting 
a greater corporate system that was going to create what you have today. So even though we were fighting Kilpatrick, we knew that we were fighting what was coming today. And it was hard for us because we saw it and we knew that um, few would see it. And we lost a lot of friends. And I'm not one that says uh, if they're not with you, they weren't your friend. Anyway, we lost friends and it was hard. It was a hard time. And that helped us to fortify our activists. We put the Belle Isle Zoo on the ballot because he wanted to turn it into the nature zoo. Right. And that was part of a plan that was put together in the late 60s by the Huron-Clinton Metropolitan Authority. To Everything you see on Belle Isle that's happening today is a plan that was 50 years old. And these are just facts. Uh, you've seen them, you know, and those who were out uh, active and citizens at that time know it. So, you know, the difference between our activism and a lot of other groups out there is that um, we understand there's pain in this. It's not just about glory. Sometimes you're going to take tough positions and you're going to be against the grain and it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you real deep. And that's that's what happened. So to see what happened to Mayor Kilpatrick happen, it hurt us more than it hurt a lot of people because we knew that he was used up and some of the things that he did, uh, he shouldn't have done. We know 28 years is too long. We would love to see him come home. But it sure is hard when you take a look at when I hear his son asking the president, which I don't think people should attack his son for doing that. The man is the president, even though none of us support him. They're at their last step, and he wants to see his father. And I think that anyone that has been uh, attacking their their family for going after um, Trump to get their father to be free, I don't I don't agree with that, and I think that we should support that young man because no one knows the pain that he's going through. And for us, the very people who said that he was going to do what they want him to do are the ones walking around here today, right? And that and that really bothers, right. you know, me, right? You know, because we knew so. Uh, we end up with the Detroit Coalition Against Police Brutality because we've always been members. Uh, the role that. Sandra Hines is the current president. She's an international non-activist, and she's battled everything, uh, every system, and, and she's been battling her own personal health challenges. She's beat cancer. She's uh, fighting Parkinson's, and uh, she's uh, managing diabetes and neuropathy. So th- that's who's the president of the coalition. Me and Ken do a lot of the day-to-day. Uh, my job is director of operations, which simply means, you know, activists, we had these big titles and we had three people in the group. But, uh, you know, that simply right. means right. making the trains run on time, making sure paperwork is is on point, making sure that uh, Ms. Hines has her talking points. And Ken is the spokesperson. So we interchange with, with what right. we do because we had that level of experience. Ron Scott wanted us to lead the group. And when you see what how he passed on, you know, these are people you knew very well. Absolutely. You knew him from your your media. Yeah. You know, he's a journalist. You're a journalist. And to see these legends move on, you know, it becomes a deeper meaning behind the tears. 
and, as and, we're and, that's, in our and that's what it's about. It's about the older generation sort of passing their knowledge and, and yeah. their their wisdom on to the the younger generation. And while Ron was out in the you know community activism realm, um, and and he had his foot in media. Don't get me wrong, but he also served as a role model and a teacher yeah. to folks like me. Um, and you know, again, you, we know how this, how this goes. Oh, yeah. We don't always agree with everything that goes on. We have had our share of disagreements without being disagreeable. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Um, and so, you know, we always talked about, you know, those kinds of things all the time. Right. You know what I mean? And so that, I think that is a, a key point in what's going on. Not only you had people like Ron Scott, who was on the forefront of, police brutality, at least here in Detroit. Like mm-hmm. now everybody is really paying attention to what is going on with police brutality. Yeah. But here in Detroit, Ron Scott and, and you all were on the front lines of, you know, police brutality and you all helped to bring in the consent agreement yeah. against the Detroit police up as a result of what was going on uh, with um, police brutality here in Detroit. Yeah. Um, and so, since we talked a little bit about that, because because we're, we're really here to talk about some of the things that yeah. you all are doing, yeah. um, and, and particularly here where we are, where we're where we're stationed here in Royal Oak, um, about what happened with the police officer and the young man who got um, um, accosted or yes. or stopped by the, the Royal Oak police, and so real quickly refresh the memories of of those folks who. Um, haven't um, uh, heard of the incident. Um, we've got some people who are not from the city of Detroit, so they're not familiar. Listeners who are from not from the city of Detroit, so they might not be familiar yes. with what happened. Um, and then um, discuss with me a little bit how uh, the Coalition Against Police, Police Brutality got involved um, with this particular case. Um, the incident was that a young man... Uh, Mr. Myers was going to the End Seasons Cafe in Royal Oak, Michigan, which is a suburb outside Detroit, maybe about, you know, three or four good miles outside Detroit, a fairly uh, progressive suburb where there's a large um, restaurant district for those that are not from this uh, area. And lots of people frequent all the different restaurants on the main street. Off the beaten path is a nice um vegetarian restaurant called In Seasons Cafe. A lot of the clientele, and that's not attacking any other restaurant, but a lot of customer bases are intellectual type, health conscious type Absolutely. people who attend that restaurant. And the management is is very progressive as well. So a lot of people eat at this restaurant. Uh, Mr. Myers was looking for a parking spot, driving around because it's a very busy area. You drive around, he was waiting out this uh, white woman who was in her car and all of a sudden she places this call uh, to the Royal police. And she's saying that she's scared. She fears for her life. There's an African American watching her and that uh, he's watching her and her son, please send a squad car, you know, pretty much I'm paraphrasing a little, but uh, please send a car. He's, he's really looking at, at her, he's staring at her. He just, she feels so uncomfortable. And the dispatch on the call 
took that call and was very, very quick and serious about getting that officer out to officers, out to particularly harass this this young man. They sent uh, an officer out, and we post a video, and you can see that the video that the officer was driving very fast to get there. And uh, then a supervisor joined the scene. And come to find out, Mr. Myers, who's a Southfield resident, and that's important that people know, because Southfield is a very affluent uh, black, uh, majority black suburbs, black and Jewish suburb. And if you're from uh, uh, the civil rights era and the coalition of blacks and Jews, a community will end up looking like Southfield. You see what I mean? It's a sure. mix. It's African-American and it's uh, Jewish. And that's the majority uh, ethnicities in Southfield. So when you run into someone that's from Southfield, they come from a certain, you know, type of uh, upbringing. Environment. Environment. Yeah. And everybody, you know, has to be respected regardless of where they come from. And that's that's very important. But when you saw um, the way that the police treated this man, there was a, a sister named uh, Kiko uh, Mongo who videoed the whole entire uh, incident. And what's scary is that they had the young man, after it was found out that his girlfriend was in the restaurant, he shouldn't have been harassed in the first place. I wouldn't have taken that call and dealt with it um, and like in the manner they did. But you had the manager of the restaurant coming out, and she defended his human rights, says he's a regular customer, and come to find out that the officer, uh, Michael is his name, he had harassed a young man before. Wow. And he had uh, detained him uh, illegally before. So there was a history there. Sure. And this was an officer that was still in a probationary period. And he had harassed him. And the supervisor on the scene did not handle the situation uh, properly either. And um, when you look at the fact that this white woman, was allowed to place this call, weaponizing the Royal Oak Police Department, using them to uh, push her views, which were racist and based upon uh, stereotypes created by American society and racist in, against the African-American male. Uh, we're thankful that no one was hurt. We're thankful no one was shot. This could have been a case where the woman that was videoing, as well as Mr. Myers, both could have been shot or force could have been used on them, pepper spray or or hit with a billy club or something of that nature. So because of what's happening in this whole region, the Detroit Coalition Against Police Brutality saw that this was something that we had to get involved in very quick because we saw that if the department would have got away with this, it would have been basically open season on 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 African Americans in Royal Oak. A lot of us frequent this community, uh, the movies and the different restaurants and the closing stores that we shop at. And we knew that if this individual, this officer, would have been allowed to get away with this, they would have been empowered. Other officers would have been empowered to do the same thing. And as of now, we don't know and we're looking into is this an ongoing practice right i mean mm. one of the things before we kind of get into some of the more intimate details of what happened is that 
Um, this situation, while slightly different, reminded me of what happened to Dennis Archer Jr. back in 1999. Um, he was uh, stopped at a traffic stop um, uh, back back in 1999 yes. by a Royal Oak police officer um, who uh, made him get out of his car, made them sit on uh, the sidewalk. They drew, they drew their weapons on both he and I believe his now wife, Roberta, yes. if I, if my memory serves right. me cor- right. correctly. Um, I think they were engaged at that point. Right. Um, and um, so that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, when I when I heard about the incident and then, you know, like I mentioned in our intro, then it then it ran into Emmett Till. Yeah, because Emmett Till was killed because he looked at a white woman. Yes. Um, and so, you know, as as I'm thinking about this incident, it did remind me of shades of what happened to Emmett Till. Um, and that that was something that really um, concerned me. Um, as an African American male, yes. um, as someone who you know used to frequent uh, Royal Oak a lot, mm-hmm. um, and whose brother now I believe will be living in in Royal Oak real soon. Okay, you know, so it clearly is uh, a uh, an an incident that that caught my attention. So you guys get involved. Um, and there was initial I, I assume that there was initial meeting with the Royal Oak Police Department. And so what happened after that? We sent a letter to OK, you um, sent a letter first and it okay. outlined the Emmett Till incident wow. within the letter. OK. And uh, the letter went to all the elected officials in this community, the okay. city manager, they have a council manager right. form of government. And we contacted the new county executive, and we contacted the um, two Oakland County commissioners because this community is split with two different commissioners. Okay, uh, We let them know we need to meet as soon as possible. Uh, we did not accept the answer that was given. While he tried to be transparent and the chief and apologize on behalf and say that it was not the way that Royal Oak does business. That was not enough. Uh, we needed this uh, officer fired. And then uh, other community residents came out to the city commissioners meeting, which they have. And between our letters and uh, their uh, response, the chief immediately terminated the guy. And we're now we're looking to phase two, which is to sit down with that chief. and deal with uh, diversity within the department, take a look at the training, and we know we're going to get that meeting, and take a look at the training that's taking place and see what happened. And uh, they have a report that they put out, an annual report. One of the interesting things about this community was a lot of stuff was online. It was very easy for us to come up with the solution, which was obvious, get rid of the guy. So when we sit down with the chief, which we are going to do, uh, we will – take a look at this incident, how to stop this from happening, take a look at the hires that have taken place in this community over the last five years, how many are African-American, how many are women, how many are Latino-American, any other ethnicity, Arab-American. And the department should reflect uh, not just the amount, the, the racial makeup of the residents here, but because the commercial um, district that they have 
the department has to reflect those who come into rural. Absolutely. We strongly feel that one of the reasons why the chief made this decision was that with Arts, Beats, and Eats coming, we did not need this guy on the street. There's already tension with the fact that they're naming a street, Brooke Patterson, for the time being, doing Arts, Beats, and Eats. And then when you take a look at what happened with this young man, Mr. Miles, Myers, if that officer would have been on the streets, things could have really got ugly during Arts, Beats, and Eats. And maybe someone African American, doesn't matter where you're from, would have would have caught the, the the brunt of some type of brutal activity on the part of this police sure. department. And so I, I just want to make clear so that, that our listeners understand um the officer on Monday? Was it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, it was uh, Monday. It was on Monday of this week. He resigned yes. from his from his job uh with the Royal Oak Police Department. Um so so he did not have to uh, the chief did not have to take the step of him being fired. Right, he resigned. And, and he resigned. And so I just wanted to make that clear um, because that part wasn't really mentioned, um, but we want to make it clear that that he did resign. Um, but one thing caught my attention that – let me let me take a little sidetrack from right. this. You, the, one of the first things you mentioned is that there are two Oakland County commissioners in Royal Oak and Southfield is one of the largest, if not the largest city in Oakland County. And there's only one that represents Southfield. Okay. That, that certainly, um, clearly because of the race, racial makeup in Southfield, um, caught me by surprise when you said two are representing Royal Oak. Right. Um, but, but only one, uh, represents, I know for a fact it don't, it, it only represents one person in, in, uh, Southfield, and there is only one, I believe, in Farmington Hills as well, Farmington Hills, West Bloomfield area as well, where a lot of affluent African-American people live as well. Now, we may be split between Dr. Quarles and uh, Commissioner Janet Jackson. Okay. We may have two. Okay. Uh, And because I know our school board president at the time ran against uh, Commissioner Quarles. Right. And uh, wasn't successful. So she lives in the city of Southfield. So I think we have two. Okay. These, these district lines are cut and, real and, and, different and, 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 in, in, in that Oakland was, County. That, yes. was, that was what I was getting at because, because it just, the lines that were drawn just seemed to be very, uh, uh, different than what I would expect given the size of Royal Oak. And yeah. there, that's no disrespect to, to Royal Oak, but, Clearly, um, with um, the majority that um, was has been on the Oakland County Commission for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the first time in in my twenty some odd years that I recall that Democrats have yeah. um, th- the uh, majority, majority on the Oakland County Commission, and now um, as the Oakland County Exec, and so you know. I, I'm going to assume that they're going to make some changes uh, with with the with the with how the lines are drawn within Oakland County, so that they can get more of a stronghold as well. Oh yeah, I would, if I if I'm in the Democratic Party, that's one of my main uh, objectives in the 2020 election is to make sure that you uh, pull it off and keep that majority and so forth, and and and, and make sure that that Oakland County, when it comes to drawing those lines, that 
that um, that the Democratic Party gets a share and the African-Americans are fully empowered. One of the interesting things about Oakland County that I found was that out here we do have um, two African-American women mayors. You have Mayor Garrett. Yeah. Out of Lathrop. And then you have uh, Mayor Waterman. Yes. Out of uh, Pontiac. Yeah. And so back to what we were talking about because we just took a left turn but that's how well, our you con- know you are that's, right that's you how know, our, that's how we've that's always how our, been for yes, over 20 how, 25 years yeah that's how our conversations go so we just took a left turn because that that kind of caught me off guard when i heard that so i had to ask a little bit about that and so back to what we were talking about you were talking about um the the need to have more african-american officers or people of color as officers yeah. um within uh, the Royal Oak Police Department. Um, reasonably, do you think it will happen? Because generally what happens is that there's a lot of platitudes that are given yes. to community groups, to uh, residents, to others who are making the noise at the time. Um, but Two weeks from now, a month from now, two months from now, it kind of dies down. Everyone has sort of forgotten what's going on, and there is no substantive change that has happened. So reasonably, do you think it will happen this time? Because, again, the same thing with with Archer. This was the same thing that happened. They said we're going to try to do more um, hiring of African-American people within the department, Um, and at that time, I believe – they were something like 95 percent um, white um, within their department or something. It was it was very high. It was in the 90s. If, oh, yeah. If still my if, if, if my memory serves me correctly. Still is. Um, and it still is. And so reasonably, do you think what do you really think will happen? Well, that's going to take a, a fight. And I think that the difference is we're not going to go away. And I think that we bring an ex- experience of understanding the inner workings of these various governments. So we know the, the points, the pressure points and who to reach out to there and to search for a new city manager. You know, so we would be meeting with that city manager. Okay. And with the change in the county commission, we're going to have to do a combination of dealing with it within. Uh, the city government and dealing with the city manager structure, also dealing with a uh, precinct delegates out here so that we don't appear to be parachuters that parachute in to a, a, a community and, and try to take it over because they will build up a wall of resistance Correct. and not understand that diversifying the police department is best for them because when Mr. Myers, who will more than likely sue, you're going to be settling out now, even though um, they had two lawsuits last last year dealing with uh, use of force and so forth. They they only had one the previous years. It's increasing. Now, sure. We could play the stat game and say it increased 50 percent or so 100 percent or whatever and sound smart. But the bottom line is that. If you live out here, you should want a diverse police force because it's going to hit your pocketbook when the lawsuits start to pile up. So it's going to be approached that that we take a combination of training and you're going to have to bring in uh, some African-Americans, people of color on your force, uh, maybe at the top. 
maybe a, um, a, a lieutenant, maybe at the top. But it should be, especially on the patrol, that, that you have to diversify because there are a lot of uh, things that, that go on out here, important businesses. The hospital is out here. Sure. You don't want a situation at Beaumont Hospital where you don't have an African-American and someone African-American comes in. Keep in mind that Mr. Myers was a Southfield resident, you see. So what what is the mindset of the Royal Oak Police Department? When they see an African-American, do they just think Detroit? Do they not see Pontiac? Do they not see Southfield or Ferndale or even Royal Oak? Like you said, your brother will probably, he will be moving here. So he needs someone that's a reflection of him on the force, a good trained African-American, a good trained person of color that understands, you know, the the the, the community and diversity and the importance on his pocketbook. Sure. And one of the things that Ryan Scott would talk about in his book is how these lawsuits hurt your general fund. Yes. I mean, you have municipal bondholders and things. And if if this stuff starts to reach the bond market, your bonds can take a hit. And also we, we will... um take the approach of talking to the business uh, council out here as well, because you have all these businesses and everyone may not be like that manager in seasons. She was very progressive. So it has to be, each place has a different approach. And if others want to be a part of, we don't have a problem with working with others. We don't just want to be stars. Right. And so that gets me sort of to um, my next question. Um, what makes the coalition against police brutality different than others? What makes you all different than New Era Detroit? What makes you different from other community leaders who have because there's a place for everyone. Let me there let is. me let me be clear. You know, there's a place for uh New Era Detroit and what they do. So yes. I'm not trying to diss yeah. any any group that's out there, right? Right. Um because it's all hands on deck. On a multi on multiple fronts, yeah, yeah. that is how this area will progress. Right, that's right. That's right. Um, and and it's not just in Detroit, but it's it's all over the region because our folks are living all over the region exactly. now, and we have to deal with these issues on multiple fronts in multiple areas. Is is sort of where I'm at these days, right? Yes. And so, what makes you all different? Because New Era Detroit is is really they're really hardcore. Right. Yeah. That doesn't make them bad, but they're really they're just really hardcore in what they do. Right. Yeah. I've never met Zeke, but I understand the place that he has. He is if if I could draw a parallel, he is the Malik Shabazz of 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so and I have a good relationship with Malik. Right. Yeah. Um, And so. If I sat down and talked to Zeke, I'm sure I could have a good relationship with Zeke, too, because I've never met the brother. Right. I've never met him either. So so behind all of the yelling and screaming is a passionate person who wants some formidable change in what is going on in Detroit. Right. Right. So you got to strip some of that down. I mean, that was what I tended to do with Anybody who called called me about what was going on in Detroit, right. I stripped down that 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 yelling and fussing and screaming and what do we need for Detroit and and understood that they all everybody had the same goal. Right, everybody wants to make Detroit better. So my question again is just sort of what makes um, you all slightly different than 
some other groups that have been out there. What makes us different is not just our longevity, but what makes us different is we have taken the maximum hit that the corporate community and system that's out to stop African-Americans and, and stop equity. We have taken the maximum hit that they can give other than death or whatever, and we walk right through it. That's what separates us. We, we can go hard, but when we go hard, we hope that you hit us back with everything we got so you can see all of our teeth. And I think that's the difference. And that comes from longevity. That comes from understanding pain. That comes from understanding that you stand on the shoulder. So when the coalition comes, Irma Henderson is here. You see what I mean? Coleman Young is here. Buddy Battle is here. Chris Austin is here. Marianne Mahaffey is here. You see what I mean? So what you see in, in the presence of us, you're fighting against an entity that's a spiritually based uh, 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 group that understands that we're not the first, we will not be the last, and that this cause is part of a greater system and that everything is linked. And I think when you get, you know, the newer groups that come along, it takes time to get to that point. Uh, we were trained to be activists. That's, that's another thing that separates us. Uh, it's not something that we, we went to a professor's class and they came out and they showed you a picture of Marluna Karinga and you got fired up. It's not that our cousin got done wrong by somebody or, 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 uh, something happened in a hospital where a relative got a staph infection and died and you become a hospital, uh, you know, healthcare advocate, not knocking any of that. We were trained. This is what we do for real. And we, we understand that we're going to be on the outside and not have the support of, of the, you know, the greater, you know, uh, popularity support. We are, we are special forces. And that's why, you know, just a letter alone and working with some of the community people out here, it was stealth and that guy was gone in less than, than two weeks versus, you know, sometimes everyone comes together and has a bunch of press conferences in Detroit and it may take a month or two just to get an officer um, um, to be terminated or resign. We are the brand and we are the experts. In this subject, we are the experts and there's nothing wrong with that. If I go to get my tooth pulled out, I don't want a veterinarian snatching it. I want an expert dealing with it. It's not arrogance. We can say it because we are willing to take the hit. Now, once you have taken a hit and you have been stripped down to nothing and you have buried some of your loved ones and you have lost jobs and things of that nature and you can still stand up and go right at this system with the purpose of educating others and, and, and making it where you will be replaced because you have done such a good job that others can take it to the next level, then you're ready to do this work. I think that's kind of where we differ. So, you know, I look forward to meeting. You know what I mean? I look forward to meeting all these groups and learning from them because they have a reason why they do what they do. And I respect that 100%. Absolutely. I but think, we are trained yeah, no, to do I, this. Absolutely. Um, you know, I certainly respect what they do. Um, and 
in any of these groups, like Teferi Brent, who's oh, that's out the man. here. He's a good man. You know, I mean, yes, and I've known him for quite a long oh, time. Yeah. You know, when I mean? he was rapping. Yeah, absolutely. We had his album. I yeah, got, I got Teferi's album, man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he is one of Detroit's, you know, foremost hip hop. You know, he, he's a legend in he, hip hop in yes. Detroit. He's a godfather of hip hop in yeah. Detroit. Let's, yeah. let's be clear. Let's about be this. clear about that. You know what I mean? And he so, is like our cool hurt. He is. He is on that level absolutely. in hip hop. I know he doesn't really talk about that. Does not talk about it at all. You know, but if he when we run into each other, he gets an earful of, of of how his song. Him and a maestro, yes. how they inspired me when I was in high school. And maestro stuff, meaning man. Jason Wilson. Jason, J- that's right. Jason Wilson now. That's right. You know, people know him. He's now being kind of known as Jason Wilson. Right. Right. Well, we knew maestro but we know, on the flex. We, we know maestro <laughs> on the flex. You know what I'm saying? And, and folks who really know hip hop know him from maestro on the flex. Maestro on the flex. Chaos and maestro. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, and they were talking about progressive things back in the 90s back in the 90s and, and 80s, early yeah. 80s yeah. right yeah and so you know so it's no secret that jason is doing what he's doing now right. it's no you know it's no right it comes out of everything that they have done for the last 30 years right, right. so i love those brothers man you know and 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 and, and to ferry actually you know he did place a call to me on the royal oak situation and he was like Brother Chris, y'all got this one? Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we may differ. You may see us go back and forth on Facebook. But best believe that all of us, we we, we talk. And yeah. we try to um find out, you know, we try to have some coordination on some of what we're doing. So he's like, Brother Chris, y'all got that. You know, that's y'all lane. Y'all got that. And I said, Brother Teferi, we, that, that'll be done. We'll yeah. take care of that. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I it's like if we're having a potluck and somebody say, man, bring the pot. Man, I'm already I'm out in front of the store. I'm bringing the pot. Right. So that was done. We knew that we were going to get rid of this, 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 this cop. And we knew how to do it and we know what to do next. So, you know, those are, you know, guys like that, they've been out here. Right. I mean, I can list uh, uh, free fill up chance, uh, a couple of causes that uh, that that to ferry was involved in that that I was involved in and our paths were just crossed and that was the beauty and you notice from 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 what you were doing in the nineties. I think the beauty of the nineties was people's path would cross, but we were really, really focused on the work that we were doing. And we weren't like really battling to be to get a platinum to, plaque. To be on top. <laughs> yeah, to get a right. pat, platinum plaque of activism on your wall. Right. Yeah. We, we was concerned about winning. Yeah. And empowering the city. And there was some great fights, the casinos. And I know we going all over the place, but you, you know, you and me, man, we're educating the people. So when you brought those names up, it's just an ex- expansion of what their hip hop was. It's in their activism. Yes. It's in their activism. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you touched upon where I was kind of going with this. You got your hands in a little bit of everything, yeah. right? Yes. And so, Tell the folks out there kind of what you're doing and what will kind of be next for, you know, well, you want might want to be stealth about what you're trying to do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what is it that you're going to do next or what what are some of the projects that you all are going to be uh, keeping an eye on in the next, you know, few months or so? Uh, we're going to be taking a look at and, and continue to look at the inner workings of Detroit 
and that and that police department, uh, you know, we're on record for wanting the, the, the chief to go. But uh, what we would like to see just immediately is leaving that deputy mayor spot just this week alone with the pit ball, pit bull mauling, even though that's an animal control issue and um, dealing with uh, the cop with the uh, bribes and narcotics. And then you have the high speed chase with led to a cop having a terrible accident. Just the things that's happening, 70 officers, over 70 officers charged with crimes it, since 2016. We believe that you cannot hold both positions at the same time and that you need to focus clearly and squarely on Detroit Police Department. Even though we may not, you know, like you being here, we still realize that you got a job to do while you're here and that all hands should be on deck. The 911 call center is in trouble and in shambles. And we believe that him leaving that position of deputy mayor and uh, focusing solely on the police department uh, is key. And the reason, the other reason is that when you take a look at what happened with 911 uh, or, or the mauling with the, with the pit bull, you need a deputy mayor because you know this from covering the, uh, the Kilpatrick Archer being in under various administrations that deputy mayors have departments they're responsible for. They have a dotted line. Projects get done with deputy mayors. And if you have one that's taking a ceremonial role, then that then we as taxpayers of the city of Detroit aren't getting our bang for our buck. I'd rather have a chief that's focused on policing matters and a deputy mayor that has a dotted line in some of the departments. Who knows, with the right deputy mayor and the right departments reporting to them, maybe we could have increased the amount of animal control people. Maybe things that are happening in this city wouldn't be happening at the rate they're happening at because you have all hands on deck. There are people like Jimmy Settles and, and uh, Ray Solomon Jr. And, and several people within that administration that can do that job. Now, we're not fans of, of the current mayor at all, but they're still there, and we still have to have something from them. So, you know, we're going to be keeping our eyes square on um, the operations of the city uh, police department and Improving our peace zones for life, which a lot of people don't know. We have a conflict mediation program. Okay. And Mr. Reed runs it. We just wrapped up our summer program with our, with our youth and we teach them conflict mediation. Hopefully we're training our replacements to ride us off into the sunset and we can go and have this conversation off some beach, you and I, in about four or five years. And we're going to improve our peace zones for life, working in schools and dealing directly with uh, conflict mediation and stopping it at its origin, not just restorative justice, because restorative justice is is reactive. But dealing with how do we deal with peace and violence before it gets started? It shouldn't take someone getting hit upside their head to tell the person, man, you have to stop being violent. Right. <laughs> you see right. what I mean? Right. Okay. Well, as we wrap up— um Give a give the the listeners a wrap up or, or of and your final thoughts on um, everything that we've talked today and uh, your final comments on anything else that you may have missed you may have missed something that you wanted to say all of that kind of stuff. I want to thank the, um, you first of all for for having me here because I know you know what what you stand for as a human being you know what I mean and and the things that 
you, you know, you do and how you help people in your field. That means a lot to me. And uh, also I want to uh, take time to thank, you know, some of the activists that were involved with this role, their community for speaking up. It, it, it's, it shows that that dividing line of eight miles being erased when you have uh, um, people in Royal Oak that stood up and said, man, we're not having this. That's important. And also I would like to say, you know, to, to activists, this is a, a marathon, not a sprint, uh, that we must stay disciplined. Uh, we must uh, make sure that we keep our health in check. And I want to also, you know, thank uh, always Ryan Scott and those who came before us that we were privileged to work alongside of. And uh, we look forward to serving the community for many, many years to come. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. We certainly appreciate you being on Beyond the Headlines this week. And certainly uh, rest in heaven to Ron Scott, um, a guy who was very um, influential in what was going on, not only in the media, but clearly with what was going on with police brutality. And with that, we are going to wrap up another episode of Beyond the Headlines, and we'll see you guys next week. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines. Thank you.